0: Hey guys, Parker Curtis here with another free seed special. We're offering our listeners a free four pack of gelato feminized seeds with any purchase at
1: homegrowncannabisco.com. So make sure to use promo code gelato420. Let us handle the rest. Happy growing and enjoy the show.
0: What's up, you amazing listeners and those watching this episode on Homegrown Cannabis Co.'s YouTube channel. Thank you for joining us in this very special episode of the Homegrown Podcast brought to us by Homegrown Cannabis Co. If you are new to cultivation or are seeking top-notch cannabis seeds for your growing journey, be sure to check out www.homegrowncannabisco.com for your top-notch cannabis seeds. In today's episode, we'll be having an amazing interview with the one and only, the Hash Queen, trained by the Hash Master, Frenchie Cannoli, with 18 years of experience underneath her belt. So be sure to smash that like button or follow along wherever you're listening to show the Dank Duchess some serious love and support for being here today and allowing me to blab her ear off and ask her some questions. For those of you who don't know who I am, I'm Chronic from The Cannabis Chronicles on Instagram and YouTube and a fellow Hash lover. And I'll be getting to some juicy details on Hash later on with the Dank Duchess. To start off, thank you so much for joining us today, Dank Duchess. I cannot say how excited I am to personally speak with you. I've been a massive enthusiast and fan of yours for many years now and mm-hmm. frenchies as well so i've definitely followed your guys journey and i think you guys have done amazing things for and cannabis Thank you. so i've got a lot of questions for you today and to start off i'd love for you to just give the audience a quick backstory on your journey through cannabis like who you are where did the name dank duchess come from and let me know your top three favorite strains you ever consumed Okay,
1: so I'll do the I'll do the second thing first. So okay. my name is not Dank Duchess, it's the Dank Duchess. So I, yes. I there's a the in there because so when I was coming across the country from Florida, mm-hmm. um, moving to California to follow this cannabis dream, I like to name Duchess because my next door neighbor had a half. Rottweiler half Doberman pincher dog that we used to fight all the time. And I loved it. I love, you know, she used to rough house. Her name was Duchess. <laughs> and I like tension between words. And dank is something foul and Dutch is something beautiful, right? So I was originally dank Duchess. But when I was going to write my first article for Weed World magazine, which Frenchie gave me that opportunity he and the editor made it the dank duchess and i like mm-hmm. continuity so from then on i've always been the dank duchess but that doesn't really work in conversation so i just go by duchess so from now on we can just go i just go by duchess right
0: boom okay.
1: so i'm from brooklyn i'm duchess from brooklyn but i live in oakland uh, i happen to live in the area that's called the brooklyn basin but mm-hmm. i live okay. in an oakland and it has been an absolute awesome journey for me. I have 18 years of cultivation under my belt, but I've actually only been making hash for seven years. This September just made seven year anniversary of learning how to make hash under Frenchie's hand. You know, I came from knowing absolutely nothing about hash to being completely consumed in it. And, you know, unlike a lot of people who were smoking from when they were young, I was all the way through college and everything before I even mm-hmm thought about cannabis because I was anti. I would just say oh, no, you know, I knew wow. the right time. You know, I, I came up in the 80s. Just say okay. no, right? So and uh so cannabis never crossed my mind. I had this great boyfriend who was so smart, but he smoked so much weed and it, it really caused this bit of disconnect and one day a beautiful piece of glass art is always my little conduit. Beautiful piece of glass called me and said mm-hmm just have me. And I felt like anything with this glass couldn't be so terrible. And I tried cannabis for the first time. I think I was 24. And mm-hmm. it, it just blew my mind how good I felt and how smart I still was. Because I was a math major in college. And so I did some calculus like immediately. I still have the book where I write wrote calculus for two years to make sure that my brain was not getting fried by cannabis. but. That first time, once I realized that, like, I could still do differential equations, I honestly was, these poppers lied. That was it for me. I knew that they lied. And with only a couple months of really having as much cannabis I could afford, we had to start growing because I literally smoked all the weed we could afford. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Yeah, that that sounds like me. I'm not going to lie.
1: It was a big life, a big life change. Mm -hmm. I went from black and seeing life in black and white to seeing Mm -hmm. all these different shades. So um, it was Florida, right? So, you know, it was really, really just devastating if you get caught. But 10 years of growing in Florida and just hiding, just hiding, 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 hoping you weren't going to get caught, you know, and such like that. And then in 2014, I mean, what really made the big difference of of making a trip out here to the West and, and expanding past my closet was that. When um, Colorado went legal and uh, Washington went legal, my husband and I, so the boyfriend had then become husband, we went to High Times Cannabis Cup. And oh. I had gone from a situation where although coke was really, cocaine was, it's my yes. cocaine. Yes. Everyone talked about cocaine. But we wasn't like that. We was kind of like the thing that losers did because, yep. you know, it just made you a little too chill. And um, so the most amount of people I've ever smoked with when I lived in Miami it was like 10 people. Like That's the biggest uh, group of people I really had smoked with. And I went out to Colorado and there were 80,000 people there. And then when I went to Seattle a couple months later, there were 50,000 people. And I realized that Florida was just moving a little too slowly and we needed to just jumpstart our whole cannabis career. We ended up making um, CO2. That was actually the first Ooh, concentrate okay. ever made, made CO2 in Seattle with a company called Wham Oil. They were the leading um, CO2 makers. And I got my feet wet in terms of what I could do in the cannabis industry, but that I ended be a up lot of coming... fun
0: to be able to making the CO2. I bet.
1: Yeah. I mean, like, it, well, I'm going to tell you this. What was the really fun thing, Derek? What was real fun was the fact that I remember the day that I had to process 11 pounds of canvas in one day, and I had never seen one pound of canvas, right? And I was processing all of that, and I just realized how small my world was in yes. Florida, like how small it was, and I needed to make some change. So just six months later, we came out here to figure out finding an apartment, and I ended up meeting Frenchie.
0: So oh, was playing wow. for Okay. So yeah. did you end up, did he know that you were into hash before you had met him? Was it kind of a conversation no. that you kind of stumbled upon or?
1: Mm-mm. I didn't know anything about hash. Anything, anything at all about hash. In fact, I was at the High Times Cup Um, I was really all high on life. I had gotten the apartments, I had gotten my new license, I got my medical card, and here Mm -hmm. I am at a cannabis cup. And um, I was taking dabs everywhere. Everyone had (laughs) BHO, I love dabs. I'm taking some dabs, you know, (laughs) and I see this booth that is very well appointed, and it just had a whole air that something was different. Plus, there were a million people in front of that booth. That meant like they probably was the best dabs ever. And yep. so I kind of muscle my way up to the front. And then I'm disappointed because they just got these big chunks of chocolate. all Oh, um. just, just huge chunks of chocolate. And as I'm turning around, it's just like, there's not any dabs here. Just a whole bunch of chocolate. This man says, this is not chocolate. This is hashish. I said, <laughs> well, can you dab it? This is all I care about. Can you dab it? He said, but of course. So he did, he used what I then came to realize was a three-hole bowl, his yes. little quartz rod. I took mm-hmm. dab, felt fantastic, yep. went about my way. And then a month later, I was at another uh, cannabis cup and I saw him and I asked him <laughs> to coffee. I asked him to have coffee some coffee because i was feeling like i wasn't really fitting with the cannabis scene mind you i had mm-hmm. given it like a month and a half but I, okay. I was feeling like i wasn't fitting in with the scene and yeah. i wanted to talk to someone who was a little older and it turns out we were both web design you know we went to coffee and okay. it turns out we were both web designers in the 90s we both oh. had this whole love of the aesthetic of how art comes across and such like yes. that. And he gave me the opportunity to write for Weed World Magazine about Hatch. So uh, that's he awesome. asked me, he said, would you like to write? But then the caveat was you need to learn how to make hash in order to speak about hash with any yeah. authority. And I didn't want to learn how to make hash. I just wanted to <laughs> do some writing and, and gross weed. Yep. But and I didn't even know who he was. Let's just be honest. That's the thing. Yeah. I mean, I learned from Frenchie and was making hash uh, with Frenchie watching me for a little bit before I knew really who he was, and he was and so time guy. frame
0: was—is this ten years into your cultivation journey, and this about eleven yeah, years like, into it?
1: Yeah, exactly. So this is two thousand fourteen. Okay. So this is twenty fourteen. I had just got here and in uh july july 11 2014 and oh, wow. i started making hash with i learned how to make hash from Frenchie on september 10th of 2014 so it was a really really short amount of time yeah. based on this idea that Frenchie wanted me to help establish a new vocabulary for hash that was that was the main thing okay. writing about hash in a different way just you know before then people were like oh this is this is dank. I mean, my name is Dank. This is dank. <laughs> this is loud. This is great, but like not a real conversation about mm-hmm. how the hash made you feel. And so that became my writing style for five years after that. For five years, I wrote for Weed World in that way.
0: That's awesome. I'm going to have to read a bunch of your uh, oh. articles most definitely. Yeah. Um, yes, now sir. that it definitely leads me into my next question, which uh, you know, since you were talking about eighteen years of experience, seven years experience with uh, Frenchie, what has it uh, been like seeing the industry and the community go from getting raided by police constantly to having these completely legal extraction labs that you can go to, you can do eleven pounds of hash extraction, and you can do all that. What's that feeling been like for you?
1: Well, I, I mean, there are ups and downs with that. Okay, so by the time I came here in twenty fourteen, although they were st- I mean, they definitely were still doing raids. I mean, they're literally doing raids right now in yeah. the Bay last week. They did. Yeah. They said they did the largest raid they've ever um done in the Bay. But it was much more of a fear at all times, um, even with medical. Because I'll be honest, a lot of people that I knew were doing larger than the amounts that were afforded mm-hmm. by medical or They were doing it in counties that were considered dry in some kind of way. Mm -hmm. The municipalities had the right to say whether you could grow outside and all types of things like that. So there was a lot of stress. I know several people who had their children taken away. And I'm thinking this is like, we already had states where it was legal, even though it wasn't Mm -hmm. legal in in California, but we already had states, we had medical. um, And there's just this constant fear, constant fear, that stigma, really the, losing your children is a big, a big situation yeah. for everyone who's in like my age group, their 30s or 40s they're raising young ones, and they still want to do what's good for themselves and their environment mm-hmm. and the community, but yet they're being put in jail or separated from their families. Then mm-hmm. we have legal, which has come in, which stop certain things but at the same time create all kinds of other problems you know i'm sure you've seen that a lot of the mom and pops have just disappeared we in favor of Corporate cannabis, which is definitely not necessarily in our best favor. because um, no, you see
0: big cannabis corps start taking away home growers' rights and things like exactly, that. exactly, so. and that
1: and that really, when you when you see cannabis corporations actively lobbying for people not being able to grow their own yeah. cannabis, it makes you realize that they're not, they're definitely not in it for the health. Because if yep. if, if that was the case, it was the health and wellness of everyone. You'd be like everyone, do whatever you yep. can do, but it comes down to money and a lot that's the truth of the matter. It comes Mm -hmm. down to money and the bottom line in a lot of these situations. So when you have organizations and and businesses such as Homegrown that is focusing on getting Mm -hmm. everyone in that mindset of you can do this yourself. That's the thing. You can do this. Not only that you can do it yourself, you likely can do it yourself better.
0: Yeah, no, most definitely, 100%.
1: That's it. When you know what you're taking into your body and your energies in that, you know, what are the additives? You take all responsibility for your wellness. That's a 100% different experience than just going to the store and purchasing who knows what from who knows
0: where. Oh, absolutely. It's So much more rewarding because like you put all that love and passion into it. And we mm-hmm. like to name our plants sometimes too, when they're like, you know, we have kind of cool plants or something. So it kind of gives it a little bit more reward. Um, mm-hmm. and now with speaking on community and speaking on how this industry is kind of getting taken over by Canada corporations, where would you like to see your ideal weed world or just the industry in America here talking about America? If you want to just keep it small, where would you mm-hmm. like to see us move to? What, what would your ideal, um, world be?
1: Honestly, it would be craft cannabis houses. (laughs) It'd be great. If there would be a cap, I'm being very honest, if there'd be a cap on any given number of like plants, whether it be on canopy or how much supply can come from one get one particular company or family of companies, because mm-hmm. that's the other thing. They just break it down into ten companies all yeah. growing the same GMO oh, monoculture. Jeez. Much um, would really love to see a lot more. I mean, the way we had it with Prop Two Fifteen, if we're just talking about California and the craft cannabis, we had a lot more diversity and we had a lot more. Different perspectives involved in cannabis as a whole. Right now, when you just have it corporate, you're gonna end up with a lot of blue dreams and a lot of GMOs and mm-hmm. a lot of uh, a lot Start of lack dogs. of innovation because they're really they're really just at the end of the day looking for what's going to do the best in market what's going to be the good return on investment you can't really if you're mm-hmm. if you're pulling from one particular plant the amount of size you're getting is six pounds seven pounds but then you have some kind of thing specialty that's only going to give you two pounds it's not going to make sense in the bottom line no matter how good is that medicine how specialty that is when you're dealing with large-scale cultivation like that i can understand for them it just doesn't make any sense that's yeah. why we need
0: more options so do you also think that maybe cannabis corporations and dispensaries should also make a change and stop being reliant on maybe just so... Sole- basing their ROI on, um, you know, cannabis, maybe trying to do education or consultation for home growing and maybe try to make some revenue increases from that instead of just uh, solely relying on that their plants make seven pounds every time. Because that's something I always thought of is, uh, you know, maybe these companies along with home growers coming together, uh, maybe some of these big cannabis corporations start looking at other options to increase their income to make up for those plants so they can run specialty strains. So we don't have 30 different different dispensaries with GMO. That's the same GMO, you know? So that's definitely, I like your take on everything. And, uh, I kind of want to segue this, uh, not from talking about the same strains, but since you've been kind of traveling around and you've definitely had 18 years of cultivation experience, which is far beyond mine and tasting strains, how have you noticed strains being different over the years because you have the nineties terpene profiles of like pine and uh, you know, the woody stump Mm -hmm. uh, terpenes. And now you have a lot of these berry sweet terpenes nowadays. What's, what's it been like kind of uh, smoking cannabis all these years?
1: Well, I didn't come from the nineties actually. I mean, let's just keep in mind that we're already at 2021. So Mm -hmm. I was smoking in the early two thousands. And so what we were smoking in uh, Miami was a lot of of course, what we call crippy. I mean, you had a lot of crap. Yes. You had crippy, which had a, a night, nice, still had that nice pine kind of uh, funk to it. What I've noticed recently, I mean, we mentioned that GMO, everyone now wants to make some crosses with GMOs. We have seen these waves of flavors take over, which interestingly are being driven by Instagram, where you can't mm. even. You can't even taste those flavors, but just the wave of what people are talking about suddenly makes us hunger to have that. So in when I got here in 2014 and I got to be able to talk a lot more about flavors when you're talking about hash, you can talk flavors, mm-hmm. I feel, in a, in a more sophisticated way because you're not dealing with the flavor of combustion, but rather just the flavor of the terpenes that have been hopefully lovingly collected with yeah. its cannabinoids in as secure a state as possible, right? So you're when you're tasting hash, you're getting just the flavor of that plant, hopefully as best as possible. I noticed that, of course, Skittles had garnered a lot of... Uh, a lot of energy with the fact that it was winning like everything from 2014, 2015. And there are a couple of lines that have stayed true and have influenced other lines. So Skittles with it's like um, fruity, but fuel-y flavor went on to things like Runt. So Runt really is a a nice other kind of taste. That's like that. Um, We had on... Of course, cookies has been big for a while. Mm -hmm. Then, when cookies had that change into the, the, dessert kind of flavors and then after yeah. that let's just be honest right now everything is a cake of some sort yep. like there was a time when everything was an og and living in california everything is still an og but yeah. everything is a cake so those pastel kind of flavors and fruity flavors right now i'm seeing a turn which i happen to like to a more tropical funk kind of situation Ooh. like we find with the tropicana can of cookies yeah. forbidden fruit crosses and such like that so i'm really excited about those kind of flavors but what you've seen is that not necessarily going with what everybody likes because of their own preference, but rather the fact that that's what everybody else likes on Instagram. That part is kind of boring. And Mm -hmm. so when you have a seed house, not to just plug you because you're you're a huge seed house. I happen to grow a lot of things from Spain and such like that just to get totally different flavors because we're Mm -hmm. only thinking about what's hot here. But I mean, yeah. You go other places and hazes still rule the roost. And, and yeah. when I get a hold of a haze, I know I'm particularly pleased because you're not going to get so many hazes over here.
0: No, that's 100 I've, percent. I've been able to grab a couple hazers that were pretty true. I had a Colombian haze that was absolutely amazing. And it's, it's definitely got that it has a whole completely effect and taste like nothing else. It really does have that true like land race vibe to it. Um, and w- with cannabis having uh, so many, so much impact on not only our industry, but your life. Um, and I'm sure your, your husband's life, it sounds like. Um, what has been one of the biggest moments in your entire career or experience of one of your mentors? Um, maybe a moment you shared with Frenchie that really shaped you as a hash maker or hash enthusiast or just a grower or somebody just passionate about cannabis was there ever ever a moment where some words were spoke that Frenchie was like this is you know a really good piece of advice <laughs>
1: well i mean i'm gonna say look i i say that on september 10th i learned how to make hash from Frenchie but the crucial moment for me actually was September 17th, because that's when I pressed hash. And mm-hmm. and and that has been the legacy that I look forward to continuing of Frenchies, because Frenchie tech is a specific type of thing. After you've made the hash, rather than leaving it granularly, we'll press it and make it into a temple ball and hopefully age it. And mm-hmm. just the idea of pressing hash and keeping that in mind, why we do that, that has been that has really shaped me completely. Um because I love, no matter what has come out with solventless in all the different ways that we now mm-hmm. have it, we have rosin, I make rosin, but now besides rosin, you have different ways of rosin, rosin, rosin mm-hmm. jelly, rosin jam, you, mm-hmm. you know, rosin coins. Yep. No matter People all of that, like nothing to me. Stuff. Yeah, diamonds, all of that is good. And I can judge competitions and I know the All of that is great. <laughs> but at the end of the day, there's nothing like pressed Hatch, yeah. press hashish, nothing like it. I, I stand by that. So that's really that's the, the, the type of thing that really is defining for me because I can teach you how to make that super white, uh, granular beach sand and show you how to keep it in the freezer. And I'm happy for you. I am yeah. happy. Class. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to let it sit on the, the counter for a little bit to get a little warm. Yep. And then I'm going to get my Voss bottle out and I'm going to press it.
0: I'm going
1: to make a temple wall okay. and I'm
0: going to be happy. <laughs> that's awesome. I absolutely love that because uh, my whole experience with hash is uh, I've always learned from the uh, a few Pakistani and Afghanistan farmers. So they always taught me the, the old school hash eaters and how they used to do it and they would eat it back then. And that's why they were called mm-hmm. that. And then they started learning that they could smoke it and everything like that. So it's definitely interesting to hear how Frenchie has really revolutionized that and brought it to the modern day world. And now mm-hmm. they're carrying that legacy on. So it, it really makes me smile so much hearing all that um now looking back at those moments in time when you were maybe it was maybe at one of the lower moments in your career experiences or maybe it was one of those pinnacle groundbreakings with your mentor mentor did you ever expect you'd be where you are today in the cannabis industry and what has it felt like
1: oh i can tell you really quickly i mean i'm not ashamed i had a definite pretty low moment pretty early so um So we now say single source. You grow your own, you make your own. That's great, right? But you don't always have the options of single source. And uh, one time, uh, actually, the one time I entered Emerald Cup, I had a situation where so (laughs) I entered Emerald Cup two different hash options, and then so Emerald Cup is a a Saturday and Sunday, and the Saturday was a great day. You know, met a whole bunch of people. The Sunday, I'm waking up at the hotel in Santa Rosa, and my phone is blowing up, blowing up so terrible. And I'm looking at it and people are like, oh, Duchess, such and such said this, such and such. So on what has happened is that one of my uh, entries didn't pass microbial. It did not pass. It failed mm-hmm. the microbial testing, right? And mm-hmm. another hash maker had apparently woken up early to see everyone who didn't pass, because at the time they used to put that online and then put all our names on a post and say like these are all the hash makers who you idolize but like they make terrible hash was look at impact right, so I you know it's early in the in the career mm-hmm. i've been doing this one year. yeah I definitely at that moment want to just completely disappear, like I am. I'm super mad at the hashmaker because I yeah. feel like uh, he definitely could because he's like it's all about the the quality. You could deal with us one on one, but you just wanted to out mm-hmm. us. It's fine. Yeah, I'm one year Not in, attention. and and like my name is like the biggest of. I'm just like literally, why would you pull all the attention on me? But then I realized at that point that if I was gonna be doing anything serious, I would pretty much only work on my own. On my own stuff, but it was important. I, mm-hmm. I, I made a video to my followers, like, look, obviously there's been some mistake along this path. I obviously need to look at something with me and figure out what happened with my process. It turned out that like my plants had some hot manure on it. So that it ended up not being me at all, you know, the oh. plants that I had gotten from the person, like this, there was issues with the soil. Cause it turns out the plants themselves ended up testing hot, all of that. But I had made a mental note that you can do your you have to know your grower and mm-hmm. you know no one as well as you know yourself. So mm-hmm. after that, I almost exclusively was washing my own plants, my own plants. Mm-hmm. So I was I was growing. I was washing because I was so embarrassed and I could have just like just kind of just exit stage left at that mm-hmm. time. And I really felt like I may I let down the grower. I let down Frenchie, you know, Frenchie had been going around telling everyone I was his protege. And I was like, but you know what? I'm here. I can admit that there was problems and anyone can tell you I'm a super, super, super stickler for cleanliness
0: now. (laughs) Well, you know what? You learn from the mistakes and that just makes you a better grower. And anyone who wants to throw people under the bus and act like they're a perfect grower and they never make it, it's complete lies. Like, everyone always asked me, like I just spoke with, I had a meeting with the Dude Grow show and they asked me, you know, how good of a grower do you think you are? I, I don't think I'm that great of a grower. You know, I think we all have stuff to learn. I think I have a lot of knowledge to offer people, but even my knowledge can, you know, keep going. I, I don't know everything. And I think when people get to that point of like, I'm the best, look at me and this, and the, I think that ego takes over. And I think that's probably what happened. And I absolutely don't think without a doubt that you are a very clean individual. You, you seem like you're very passionate with your hash and you seem like you take very much pride in it so um now what has been kind of the biggest holy crap i'm famous moment like have you ever ever had anyone run up to you and be like "Dank the Dank duchess i need an autograph like can you sign this or like have you ever had, had people that. like
1: <laughs> i've had that but that wasn't like my biggest thing my biggest okay. thing is when i did vice um Ooh, so I did that's bon cool yeah when i did bug bon appetit right season one i was just uh i was just at one of the events and i got a couple of lines whatever but by season three when i was making hash on um bon appetit for the show with vanessa lavrado and chef miguel and be real when be real called my hash legendary on television i was like (laughs)
0: and then I
1: was, I was like doing the um you know my big uh-ohs my big joints um I smoke them like a chillo right so okay. when I was smoking with Be Real I was like ooh. and then at one point I was smoking out Too Short and Too Short was giving a little bit of issue we were off camera right and he was giving a little issue he was like I just want to smoke a joint and I, I was like look dude you're famous you are already game. This is my moment right now. So, you are going to smoke this. And this is a, at one point, I, he was just like, You're so Brooklyn. I am. Okay. I am. You're famous. This is my moment.
0: <laughs> smoke it. You know, so just smoke this shit. Like, just enjoy yeah, it. Exactly. <laughs> uh... That's awesome. No, I love that. So I'm originally from Pennsylvania. So I do have a lot of friends that are around the Brooklyn area and stuff like Uh that. So I definitely know the Brooklyn fierce attitude. Yes. (laughs) Uh, So that's a really awesome story. And I totally not that I forgot you were on Bong Appetit. I've watched so much cannabis content lately. So mm-hmm. I totally yeah. re- loved those episodes. It was one of my favorites. And that was mm-hmm. that is definitely an A plus moment for sure. So now with being in the eyes of the cannabis world, do you feel a lot more empowered to speak and support for many of the female growers out there? Because it is a more male dominant industry that has come um, with more of, you know, I checked when I first started doing uh, the podcast, you know, most of my, listeners are, were male, but now it's finally yeah. starting to even out. And I'm like, yes. So yeah. um, do you feel more empowered to speak on the adversities or um, different sexism and stuff that happens to various female growers in this industry? Do you, do you feel empowered to speak on that? Do you feel like a big advocate for those female growers who are up and coming in this industry?
1: Well, I mean, I one thing I say again with that Brooklyn mentality, I have never, ever been shy to speak about anything, you know, Um, and I'm always talking about the fact that, um, you know, people have asked me in the past, you know, Such as being a Black woman in the industry, how has that impacted you? And I mean, before last year, because last year could be a whole other thing, but before Mm -hmm. 2020, I definitely was like, I dealt with a whole lot more issue about being a woman than being Mm -hmm. a Black person in the industry, just from where I am, just because there's just a lot of bro speak, a lot of- Yeah, yeah. Broism, and mm-hmm. um when I first started making hash you know and I would go to events even like when I had gone to Spain when I first went with my husband I would get annoyed because I you know the dank duchess but they're talking to a dude and I'm right there I'm like I am not just here for eye candy you know and it, 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 you have to in a way train people to not talk to the guy to the point where I just had him not be around so that you'd be forced to talk to me because obviously I'm the one holding the hatch. So okay. there's, um, there unfortunately has been a, a slow not exactly slow. It's a constant movement to get women to be more shined upon because it's not like women aren't there. A lot of mm-hmm. people don't realize that a lot of the people up the mountain here in California, are women growers are that great. We, you're smoking Are women growers who aren't necessarily in the spotlight for a couple of reasons. Sometimes you're the only woman and dudes don't always make it feel the most comfortable to be the only woman in the situation. If you don't have a certain type of personality that you can handle it, it is, it can be very uncomfortable. And do talk down to you all the yeah. time, mansplain, all type of things. And I, I mean, I have to tell you when I was just at, mj bizcon so it's been a couple years now, it was like i think 2018 i walked up onto a booth about terpenes and i was just looking at something and this dude tried to tell me i was like i work in a terpene lab this is nonsense this is artificial terpenes and let me explain to you what exactly is happening, you know, but then last year came around and then we started to see a lot of cracks within the cannabis industry with regard to how we really were addressing diversity on all sides, whether, you know, whether we're dealing with race, we're dealing with sexuality, with representation in general. And Mm -hmm. right now it's a toss up. I'm going to be very honest. The the cannabis industry has like revealed itself in May in ways that are not necessarily the most popular. Positive, but at the same time, I do appreciate that they're always those warriors. The vast majority are peace-loving warriors yeah. who are making sure that this community stays moving the way it needs to be moving in the direction. So it's not perfect now by any means, but there are a lot of people working to make it better.
0: Most Corporations definitely.
1: aren't really generally the ones who are doing that. It's the grassroots people. Mm-hmm. It's the mom and pops that y'all put out of, you know, out of business. Hey, I
0: go shop there. I love my mom and pops. (laughs) But yes, no, I agree with you. Um, I think it is a lot to do with, uh, specific people in charge in big places, allowing things to happen. And, uh, it does take, I mean, it does take a specific woman to want to be able to stand up to a group of guys. That's uncomfortable. I don't blame them. We just had a young female grower in our group. Um, one of our Facebook groups that she just walked out of her job because she's not being respected. No one will listen to what her, her advice is. And her grows, I mean, she grows some of the most phenomenal plants I've ever seen in my life. So it, it is the same thing I've seen. Um, Now, with that being said, talking about adversity and various things, um, there's a lot of young women who are trying to come up in this industry nowadays, and like you said, you have to be kind of a stronger, bolder type of uh, louder, not to say you have to be a specific type of woman, but I guess you have to have a specific type of uh, oomph to your punch when you want to be in the industry. What is your best advice to any woman or any person in the industry coming up today that you just want to give advice to about? How you need to be, whether it's you need to have a strong kind of backbone and you need to be able to take some uh, brunt or give it back or what does let him know what your advice is.
1: Well, I mean, I think it's a multi-pronged approach for one know your stuff. Like the best mm-hmm. armor you can have is your own education and not waiting for anyone spoon feed it for you. Go out and look for it. And, and since some people seem to be a little confused about this, understand about, about sources. So don't believe one thing or two things, mm-hmm. three or more, make a pattern. So that's where you and, and understand that if it's some random web, website, abc.com, probably not there. There are reputable sources and take yes. the time to do with that. So educate yourself. That's the big thing, right? Get a thick skin. So it's not really about being able to like give and, 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 and take, but mm-hmm. rather understand that there are going to be so many different types of people that you're going to deal with that one has to believe in their own their own dream you have to believe in your dream and that will inure you against all types of people trying to stare you in ways that are to their benefit because everyone if someone it's not that if someone's trying to help you that they can see how you can help them but be wary of anyone that looks too shiny
0: yes and
1: do your thing Don't be so quick to like follow someone else's and follow the herd, do your thing, know your stuff and maintain integrity. If you maintain integrity, you'll do a lot better than most people because people right now are definitely willing to do some strange for some change. Mm
0: -hmm. Don't be them. Yeah, no, I agree with that. That was amazing advice. And, uh, I think the only thing I would have to ha- add is maybe just uh, keep a h- humility by your side, keep oh, that ego sure. insect, You know, I think mean, there's yes. too many growers in this community that uh, they think that they've been growing the best stuff for 20 years and they just don't want to learn anything new. So uh, I-, I love every piece of advice that you just gave, guys. Really yes. seriously, know your stuff, get educated. Too many growers come to our, our forum and they'll say, you know, I heard this from somewhere and they think it is just what it is and it's not the case three or more that does make a pattern good advice (laughs) so now let's go ahead and talk about those fun times hard times and good memories since they're fresh on your mind and let's take another stroll down memory lane and hear some of the best extraction lab experiences home grow experiences or various experiences that you've gotten to see plant-wise throughout your entire journey
1: So like washing something and it just be just extraordinary.
0: Mm -hmm. Oh,
1: okay. Well,
0: or or even a fun experience like if you went to a lab and you're like, holy cow, I made some serious purple, you know. Yeah, I I was tell you. Okay,
1: this was actually teaching. So back in 2018, I went down to Cookies Maywood, and Mm -hmm. I was going to teach. They, I was consulting out there, and I was going to teach them how to make hash. Right. So. It's like um, the Daniel, who's like a finance guy. He's a chief financial officer and like this VP. I was just like. Aren't, we going, aren't some techs going to learn this? <laughs> the <It's good laughs> people are going to learn this, right? And what was, what was cool is after we did the, the walkthrough of the plants and I got to see the various rooms and it's really nice state-of-the-art setup and everything we are gonna we're going to learn. And the way I teach hash making is I'll explain the fundamentals and then I'll wash, do the first wash oh, okay. myself, explaining the whole thing.
0: So they can but see then, it and, you know, then I'm in. hands
1: off. Then I'm just like, go mm-hmm. for it, right? So to watch these guys, like I'm telling you, there's like the COs, CFOs, and they're like running around moving water and such like that. But at one point, Third Wash 45 micron now the thing about the 45 micron Mm -hmm. frenchie um used to add 45 micron into his uh full spectrum temple balls i don't add it because it has a tendency to have a muskier flavor and sometimes doesn't melt as well Mm -hmm. and the color is not really always there but anyway here we are third wash and daniel is washing down this 45 micron and it is such a pristine color it is snowman it is such a pristine color that like i almost wanted to cry because here we were i was teaching and teaching is like my favorite part of the whole the whole thing because when other people get that aha moment it's like here's that gift now you run with it right and he's washing down to clean off any particulate that might be in that bag and when it has Not dry, but drain. Mm -hmm. The white is so pristine and the smile on his face. It was like he was five years old and it was Christmas and you're just giving him the toy. That like, <laughs> always sticks with me. I got a great picture of him. He's like standing, like he's a cowboy <laughs> washing. And yes, just, that's like, awesome. You know, even the even the big boys, even the older guys, can get super excited about that. But like that's something that sticks out in my mind. And then sometimes in being in a in a really um, what do you call that? Like a low low tech situation. So when I was washing mm-hmm. hash in um, San Miguel de Allende. A couple years ago, we were washing using a smaller machine. We're like hauling in water and everything. There's a language barrier. I got a translator and everything. You know what? By third, fourth wash, they did it perfectly and they were explaining to each other what the issue was. And I was like, this is it right here in Spanish.
0: This, so is it kind of neat having a hash is kind of like that language that, you know, breaks the barrier of our languages, you know, like.
1: In many ways, in, because hash making is not hard. Hash making mm-hmm. is, is a, as a concept is not hard. you have got flour, it has these balls on it. You need to get the balls off. Keep it cold. Shake it a lot. Don't beat it up. Clean it down. Dry it that's the whole hash making process. Now it's those little 2% of like, how cold was it? How long were you washing it? What kind of yeah. bags were you using? All those things make the difference of what makes really good hash, but it's understandable when you understand what you're trying to do, keep it cold, mm-hmm. twist it off and save it. Mm-hmm. You don't really need that much language after that.
0: You know what that's I mean? that awesome. Much. That's really amazing. Cause that's a, uh, I definitely want to hear about some of maybe your best tips or tricks that you've maybe Mm -hmm. either picked up from, um, you know, fellow hash enthusiasts along your travels, or even if it's from Frenchie, what are some fun uh, tricks that you've kind of picked up? Even if you didn't know what they were telling you, you're just like, they did it that way. I'm going to do that. (laughs)
1: Uh, I remember when I, I mean, using the freeze dryer. Okay. So when you use the freeze dryer, all your hash Mm -hmm. needs to be uh, the same level. No bumps when you're using the freeze dryer, right? So So then I was doing... all. Yeah, all I could think of was use a spoon and I would like chop into it, add a little bit more water to chop into it. One time I went to see uh, Dr. Ladybug make hash in his lab and he took the whole tray like this and went to a table and banged on it. And, and you know what? It flattened the whole thing out perfectly. I was like, that's so smart. Just bang <laughs> on right. it. And we just use vibration. Guess what? To this day, this is exactly how I do that. You know, you bang on it. Lots of... Um, kinds of ideas like that when you are washing when oh I learned from Lisi uh who Mm -hmm. makes hash with Woksauce Winery. They're Mm -hmm. married. I learned when you're washing by hands. You know, some people wash moving just their arms. And, you know, yeah. that's one thing. But for those of us from the Caribbean and from South America and Central America, got to put a little dance in it. And what's good about <laughs> that is that it puts a lot of the pressure more on your knees and that mm-hmm. swaying action makes you able to wash for a lot longer because you're not just moving your upper body, which is going to tire out your arms. Keep that's cold smart. and be fast. I mean, hash making is pretty simple. Choose the right cultivar. Look, at the end of the day, Derek, If you're not growing the right thing or your grower is not growing the right thing, you could have every single tip you could think of. You could be in the the, the walk-in freezer. It's freezing in there, fresh frozen, the right machines, everything. But you wash something whose trichome heads are too close to the surface, whose trichome heads are too far from the surface, Mm -hmm. whose trichome necks are just too thick. Guess what? You have a bad situation. So, it all all of these things need to work together, but it at the end of the day it does start with the cultivar. No matter how good your techniques are, if you don't have the right cultivar, if you're not growing the right thing, then you're just going to have bad hash.
0: Well, that that is going to be a great segue to a question here soon. So mm-hmm. um, that we'll go on to the next one. So. I'm personally known on YouTube. How I came about was I, I did dry ice uh, hash, mm-hmm. so that's what I got known for. I have a video that's like almost a million views, and and people seem to like it. Now I'm not the best dry ice hash uh, person. It was my first time really ever doing it. What is uh, your preferred when you first started? What What are some other methods of hash that you've uh, stepped into aside from you know the way Frenchie has taught you? Have Have you ever done different dry sifting methods or anything? Like oh that? yes,
1: I do dry sift. Um, I do dry sift. Well, I would say old school, but I'm not using dry ice because you know the issue with using dry ice. And I know about your video that like that like super blew up. The the thing oh, about using you. dry ice <laughs> is if you're trying to make six star, that's going to be mm-hmm. problematic. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. dry ice is going to make everything super brittle, and then you're going to have plant particulate no matter what, unless yep. you go on to do some static tech or something like that. So I learned how to make uh, dry sift from flora who is cuban hash queen i learned Mm -hmm. from cuban hash queen back in 2015 when her and um and Cuban grower started winning all these cups, making amazing dry sips, right? So I learned then, but I didn't really use that skill very often until 2020 when uh, COVID hit and all the alcohol disappeared. So in the Bay, it was really, really, really hard to find alcohol. Therefore, the idea of washing machines and then washing bags, which require some alcohol Mm -hmm. and all that. It really was down to, I have these two bottles. What can I do? And I remember I have these dry sift screens. So I started uh, making much more dry sift. I had material that was ideal for that. And myself made a video also just to show the average person, if you have good screens, you can make some really nice melts. Uh, so, dry sip is something that I like. And then this year, I actually went to see the original Resonator who makes a tumbler, oh. which uh, does an injection of CO2, um, which, of course, you know, dry ice is, is uh, yes, solid CO2. CO2, but this is just liquid. Yeah. I mean, it goes. It keeps it
0: cold, tube. basically.
1: Just keeps it cold. It yeah, tumbles. Smart. He ca- keeps it cold. It injects on the side. Keeps it cold. It tumbles for just a couple minutes. I'm telling you, the whole hash process took. We did what we did. Two minutes. Two minutes. Five minutes. Not nine to eleven minutes. Wow. And he had so much heat, which then I cleaned some of it. Um, static tech, and then we looked yeah. under the the uh, the mic, the mic, not the microphone, microscope. Yes. When I say super, super clean, super clean in less than 15 minutes. I was like, I'm going to yeah, have to look one of those is, up. i will tell you, the visual <laughs> resonated. I mean, it is, it was nice. So dry sifts has been something that I like because at the end of the day, the concept is the same. We're trying mm-hmm. to get the trichomes off and then it be as clean as possible, as least stalky as possible, least plant contaminant as possible, as much yield as possible.
0: Yes. That's it straight it and see with you saying as much yield as possible we were talking about you need good genetics and that definitely brings me to talking about your cultivar with character line with homegrown canvas code that is going to be coming out here soon so i would like to talk about which of the three strains that you maybe give us a top you know number one number two number three of which ones you suggest for hash making because we have the uh, fat mazzy the melting pot and the super lemon haze coming out from your line
1: i mean i literally don't no, yes i don't know we don't know until it happens we don't know look okay so i've grown super lemon haze before i grew that in 2016 on the roof and oof, it made yeah. it, it made some phenomenal almost like it, and it, i feel like i was messing with my own mind it made some phenomenal both Melt and BHO is one of the few times I've allowed someone to make BHO from my plants um, just to see what that would come out. It came out almost lime green. It was so bright. That was really nice. But I'm really looking forward to these other these other two options, Mm -hmm. the melting pot, because I've had some good Afghani um, hash and and these other things, Laos, Jamaican and Mm -hmm. Hawaiian. Those that just sounds just tropical, fruity. I told you, yep. I'm looking for that tropical, fruity. Fun, I'm <laughs> really for that. And stunk and mazart, fat mazzy, the way it was described, these are things that I, I'll be honest, I was only looking for flavors, but mm-hmm. I don't know what the trichome heads look like as yet. Okay. So I can't tell you, but as just advice for hash makers, when you're going to go and maybe not use your own plants, but you want to see someone else, if you're making solventless, do not go based on a person saying, oh, my friend made BHO from this, and this is amazing because the yields are going to be completely different. Yeah. BHO, because it's dissolving things, mm-hmm. has the capability of getting resin from everything. Yeah. We hash makers, we ice water hash makers, need the heads to be shaped in a type of way mm-hmm. and the next to be nice and small so that it's most efficient for us because the worst thing is to wash something smells amazing, but no matter how hard you wash it, how long you wash it, you just can't get those trichome heads off.
0: Yeah, that happened to me. And it's very, uh, it, it definitely puts a, a kink in your your confidence for <laughs> trying to make ash, I'll tell you that much. Uh, happened to me with a couple of uh, plants. And I was like, damn, I think I just suck at this. But then I did another one and it was good. And I realized, all right, these trichome heads really make a difference.
1: This is it. When you do that next other run, because, you know, everybody definitely is just like, I was only able to get such and such percent on this, like, and you're feeling badly and then you do something else and it dumps so hard. It's just like, okay, yeah, obviously it's not technique. You know, I'm, I'm doing the exact same thing, but it, the lowest common denominator is are the heads right? And a lot of times they're not. That's the big thing. No matter how funky something is and how tasty it is, it's the head structure is not necessarily going to be the best for getting six star that's yeah and i I always come back to six star a lot of people are thinking about rosin their end goal is rosin my end Mm -hmm. goal is six star so i'm caring about creating growing plants that are going to get me six star so for (laughs) those those watching just
0: so that they know what you're talking about six star is basically your top tier hash that's been cured and rolled and everything correct
1: well, t- six star is, means that when you put it on the banger, that mm-hmm. it disappears to just almost nothing. You okay. want those zabs to yes. melt. You know, they're going to make really big domes, like big domes, popping domes, mm-hmm. and it's going to melt to just about nothing. When you wipe your banger, it's just going to be the smallest amount of residue if okay. anything that's six star it's so hard to get the six star mm-hmm. it's really 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 hard to get the six star i would be lying if i said that i was always six star or even yep. half the time but if you have the right cultivar yeah you can do it all the time and fresh frozen allow i mean you can get six star from cured for sure but you have the right cultivar and it's fresh frozen you can't even you don't even have to put it on the banger to realize it's six star because it melts to liquid in the jar and that's that's that. Okay. And that's
0: what that have moment. been some of your favorite plants to grow along your experience that have been like, damn, this is the best hash or like, man, I got to grow this again. This seriously was a producer. Um.
1: Well, I interestingly, most of the plants that I've watched haven't been the best hash make hash, but I have a couple of them. Holy headband. Fantastic. Holy headband was uh, in 2016. I washed that uh, from that Holy headband and this was cured. I had like almost 22% return, which wow. was crazy. I mean, that, I mean, of course you have different numbers for Fresh Frozen. We'll be looking at four and five, but considering you're just happy if you're making at least 12, 15% on it, I made 22%. So that, that Holy headband was like, phenomenal i really really like that and also i did a super lecker in 2017 that i really liked and what i liked about super lecker is that it maintained its super white color it was six star mm-hmm. and i was able to wash it with my friends from barcelona they had come they were doing like a little road trip and we were washing in tony Vizura's lab that's back when he was here in oakland um in, at, at vesa and that was really fun the whole international aspect of washing hash with my friends who introduced me to the Barcelona scene some years ago. So that was real cool.
0: That's awesome. You have some amazing memories and stories. I love this. This is great. So I'm going to ask another, uh, hash question on, some purple color, and then we're going to break into some actual medical benefits and have you talk about that. So what have been the best purple plants that you've ever washed? Like, Because I love seeing that wine water appear and really come out as that purple rosin and purple, mm. you know, dried hash. It's really, really interesting. So have you ever had an experience with like a really purple plant?
1: I have, but it didn't wash. It washed darker, but it didn't wash purple. Two, two, two different purple things that i love i love the purple tangy from um og steve borland uh only thing is that the yield is terrible but i mean it is some of the most phenomenal smell i can remember Mm. of hash i've ever made so the purple tangy is nice but what is really a special 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 thing (laughs) is the purple jagu jagu from kovalo okay anyone who's really had the purple jagu from kovalo nose the the colas are thick dense and long like huge pine cones oh, they it's perfect for dry sit like if you let it okay. sit and dry and you mm-hmm. just touch it it's just like a rain just a rain of heads and <laughs> actually I got a chance to work on that Purple Jagu very early in time. And I remember Frenchie saying that if he didn't have aficionado strains you know, mm-hmm. to wash, he would feel that Purple Jagu would be the best thing he could ever wash. Because I, the thing is, it was very resinous. And for me, I washed it one time. And that's when I was doing really long washes. And I was at like wash nine. And I'm complaining. And Frenchie gave me the, mo- the longest lecture. The says what the resin says, the, he washed it and washed 12 times and it was still going i think we just ran out of ice so it was just a very resinous plant and it's a, a specialty of covalo you know well in the mendocino mountains and it's pretty fantastic
0: that's amazing i'm definitely gonna have to keep my eye, eye out for that yeah. that sounds absolutely lovely well I am so happy you've allowed me to ask so many hash questions and just like pick your brain. Mm-hmm. Um, my favorite thing about hash is I'm not really a hash head for just strictly blonde hash, like a lot of the majority of uh, up and coming hash enthusiasts are becoming. I do like some discoloration in my hash, hash because I like the anti-inflammatory properties, just the you know some of the CBC and CBN and like the actual mm-hmm. plant. Um, what is your take on how uh, hash has kind of moved from with loads of plant matter, you know, from years ago being created to what is your ideal hash? What is, what is your perfect hash?
1: I mean, as I've stated, my perfect hash is pressed five and six star hash. Six star doesn't really need to get pressed because it turns into oil Okay. Uh, five star, depending on the consistency, but that's my favorite. I like what happens after you've decarbed, you've partially decarbed the resin by doing the hot water bottle method. Mm-hmm. Time and time again, nothing is so powerful as slaps you in the face as hash that is a little bit more bioavailable because okay. we're always talking about when when we actually smoke it or we dab it, then the THCA, because a lot of people don't realize mm-hmm. that your hash is mostly THCA. When you yes. send it to get tested and your flour and whatever, it's a whole bunch of it's THCA and a little bit of it is, is THC. So yeah. there is that conversion that happens with heat um when you're dabbing it, but if you look at just charts, if you look at the charts that they have established on how that conversion happens, the dabbing process is too fast for there mm-hmm. to be a really thorough conversion of all that THCA to THC. And of course, THCA on its own has its own amazing properties. My when I'm smoking hash, I am often looking for what thc is going to give me unless i'm smoking something that's super cbd um heavy which i've had i've had some that's yeah. really super cbd heavy which has been phenomenal for my anxiety and you know in fact i only found out that i have an anxiety issue when i was writing an article about Frenchie's hash it was the blood drive some years back it was like this really reddish like you could see it was like a red hash and um that's i smoked insane. it i smoked it on the side of a mountain while i was like in the middle of an argument with my husband and just upset and frazzled and whatever and i never felt that euphoria that i expected yeah. from smoking such powerful hash but what did happen was that all the noise in my head just quieted down it just turned amazing? into silence and i was just like what, what is this i was like oh, <laughs> is, you usually have a lot of noise in your head and now this is like Super silent. Frenchie ended up uh, gifting me uh, about a hundred uh, plants, a hundred seeds of blood wreck, which is um, a cross between blood drive that was so great for me. And um, I think train wreck and I've oh. grown blood wreck several times and it's great. Like great. like I. Is I it, is it with-
0: more on the blood drive side of growing things and not the headache of train wreck? <laughs> <laughs> well, I have to
1: say I've never grown blood drive, but as I, as the plant grew le- very little, uh, very little issues. Okay. I sometimes had some watering problems and it was one of those plants that were really hardy. Um, oh, I remember it was blood drive, blood wreck four and blood wreck five. And this it was really frosty. Ooh, mm. It was really frosty. It was <laughs> really frosty. And and the hash within, not even just the hash, the flower itself within yeah. two or three puffs. And it's like, <gasps>
0: You know, That's the best like is it. when you can calm all that and just relax, get into the Zen moments. Yeah. So now I told you earlier, you were going to be able to speak on the history of hash and we're at that point. So oh. um, I've been fortunate enough to actually hear some hash stories from uh, some Lebanese and a few people who I've met through my time. So give me the history of hash that you would like to talk about.
1: Oh, I you are definitely, unfortunately, talking to the the wrong person, only because French, I'm going to be honest, I depended on Frenchie's knowledge quite a bit, because I didn't come from that that standpoint.
0: Well, maybe and a history of time, your time with Frenchie, maybe, oh, because sure, yeah. I'd love to hear some, I'd love to hear some backstory of what Frenchie was like as a person, I never got to meet him, so I mean, I would love to hear just uh, what, what your mentor was like.
1: Oh, I mean... Anyone will tell you Frenchie was passionate. (laughs) But Frenchie Frenchie was not even really that complex of a person in the sense that he's straightforward. The man loved Hash and he was a good person. So if you could just say he was a good person who loved Hash, then add in there that he was French. So he's a very opinionated person. Um, (laughs) Frenchie really, really, really loved to debate about hash because that would make us make better hash if we didn't have good communication and we didn't understand why we do what we do and if we were stuck in what marketing will say we have to do then we'd have problems but Frenchie was just a good when I say a good person just a good person he's a good listener that's number Mm one Frenchie his favorite uh um his favorite little slogan, although everyone knows him for ooh-la-la, was for the love of the plant. So when Frenchie died, he was working on this amazing book that was, that was tracing um, how we have co-evolved with cannabis through the years and how That's that so cool. bringing that from like, the beginning of human existence until now like that's the kind of person Frenchie was Frenchie was always 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 reading some white papers about something and learning more and then he would send me a text message hey you got this and I'm just like more and more information and I'm not gonna lie like when I first started with Frenchie my mentality was what a lot of a lot of the younger people still are dealing with right now that old guy I could figure out a different way to do it. I can find a better way to do it. Mm -hmm. And so I made a lot of mistakes, especially in the first couple of years, which Frenchie allowed me to, because Mm -hmm. I felt like, you know, I'm going to apply science. But the thing is, he had applied science and applied tradition and created Mm -hmm. something that consistently made skeptics change their minds. You know, the type of hash that Frenchie made, right now we're seeing a, a real focus on lighter hash light yeah. all the time and, and rosin and I have no issue with rosin rosin is rosin's great just quite a few rosin competitions you mm-hmm. know rosin is fantastic but nothing has that mouthfeel and the actual experience of consuming really good hash I mean Frenchie I felt like Frenchie's mission was to teach more people so that more people could have that experience of having good hash and then go on to do whatever they want from that. And I myself have tried so many things. And at the end of the day, press hash is where it's at. Not just because my mentor believed in that because I definitely was willing to step away from that a little bit, but I always came back because the actual experience was unbelievable. The actual experience of really good hash. Frenchie wanted us to learn. Frenchie wanted us to work together. Frenchie wanted us to be good stewards of cannabis and of the environment. And Frenchie didn't want us to just spend all our time comparing what was better than what because life is yeah. subjective and oh and if there's one thing that Frenchie wanted more than anything is that everyone lives every single moment hundred percent because once he died you know we we're it's it's sad that he's gone right but at the end of the day everybody knows that Frenchie lived Frenchie's life no he mm-hmm. left it all on the table so there's no like well he could have done this and he could have done that Friends,
0: did it all. That's amazing. And that's pretty awesome. And I definitely feel the heartache and uh, my <laughs> condolences goes to really everyone, his family, his friends, and all of you guys. Because really believe heard. me, I definitely understand that feeling of loss. Um, Mm -hmm. And I really, truly appreciate you sharing his story, his backstory, and just letting us into some of that light. Um, You know, for those of us who never got to meet Frenchie or those who listening, who are learning about him through this episode, um, for those listening, Frenchie was an amazing man. Um, Frenchie Cannoli was pretty much, he is the master of hash. I I personally think he is. I mean, there are Kishishans before him that have created Mm -hmm. hash, but I think Frenchie will forever be if you speak on hash, he is the forefront, the, the face of hash. I mean, he really, really is. And he's a great man. And uh, I am so thankful that I'm here today speaking with uh, one of his apprentices. I mean, that's that's seriously phenomenal. And one thing I want to talk about is your experience with Gendier, um and how he kind of created that and what that movement is turning into. And and how do you, is it really, and, um Nice and and probably a wonderful, empowering feeling seeing Gangier take off after Frenchie's kind of left us and seeing that momentum and traction he's created really start taking place with these classes. Because I see more and more cultivators uh, go into these classes over there and learning these hash methods and they're learning the the Frenchie tech and everything. So what is that experience like being kind of uh, sitting back and seeing it happen?
1: Well Gangier is a you know a thought pro- it's a a project of many different heads. so mm-hmm. it wasn't as French this is a green flower media's okay uh, idea behind education and they're bringing all the biggest names and the most respected people mm-hmm. in their respective fields Kevin jo- Jodry, we have you know Nicoti Swami and then so mm-hmm. the idea is to create um education that really elevates the average person to the level that we all can be. And Frenchie obviously was very, very much uh, heavily involved with uh, Gangier. And I have several friends who are going through the, the process and they're becoming well, more well-rounded as cannabis connoisseurs. Because as it's, we have a lot of bro science. And we -hmm. want to really um, bolster up any type of education across the board, no matter whether it's Greenflower Media, the Cleveland Cannabis School, or wherever we are that is promoting good education from well-cited sources and Mm -hmm. such like that. So when you see that people are no longer relying on just their knowledge, but want to in a way, codify and get a more um, standardized way of of looking at stuff. I'm really happy about that. I I did some um, programs for Green flower. I did some hash making programs, and to see where that was just maybe four years ago, and now for a very very uh, polished way of doing education, I think it's a I think it's definitely a good move. And it's good to see people realizing that cannabis is so important that we're not just going to say, oh, this is good weed, but Mm -hmm. this is good weed because the terpenoline is reacting Mm -hmm. very well with the osamine and giving me this like fuel, but orange juice flavor.
0: Yes, I love that. <laughs> I love that so much. so i'm I'm like very novice into getting into the entire uh, understanding terpenes and knowing which ones really help me. I like the I, I I don't know if I'm saying it, the mycerine or however you say that mercy,
1: one. Mercine, Mercy. Yes, mercy mercine. So I like that yeah. one, and I
0: love linalool and lemonine. So those are the ones that I know that I like a lot and that really help me. But those listening, seriously, education is so big and important to this plant in mm-hmm. the future of cannabis. So please, If you are able to go do a Gangea course, amazing, amazing, amazing course. Uh, It's something I would love to take one day. So definitely have my eye on it. Now, with this interview coming to a close, I think we're going to finish off with a couple more questions um, or this might be the last question. Yeah, this is the last question I think we're going to finish off with. It's a a good question. Um, Now, what has been the biggest takeaway of your entire 18 years of experience today? So what has been the biggest takeaway you could give from this? Even if you thought of something during this interview, if if one thing you could say to all growers out there, anyone listening that doesn't like cannabis, anyone listening that's helping someone deal with cannabis, what is one thing that your biggest takeaway from cannabis?
1: That's heavy there, darling. Um, (laughs) The biggest takeaway that I can say, oh. So I got to address the people who
0: also don't like cannabis. You can do two biggest takeaways if you want. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, for, for me, I think my biggest takeaway in cannabis is I want the stigma. Stigmas is my number one thing. Mm-hmm. I want the stigma to stop. I don't want to be looked like I'm I'm, I'm growing heroin in my closet for growing a plant. So yeah. if you have anything like that, that's that's kind of what oh, I'm OK,
1: well, well, I'll, I'll say this. Well, let me tell you what I will tell the growers. Interesting. I'll tell the girls and the naysayers. Actually, watch this. Interesting. Both of what I'm going to tell you, both from the same movie, from the same person. All right. To paraphrase (laughs) Chris Tucker.
0: Okay, I love for the growers
1: for the growers. To paraphrase Chris Tucker, weed will let you know, as he said. We'd be letting you know, but we will let you know. So, as a grower, look at the weed. The weed tells you every single thing that's going on with it. So, follow what the plant says. Yes. Chris Hecker also said weed is of the earth. Put here by God, okay. So that is good for us. So if you're a naysayer, do your research. And if you're a religious naysayer, do your research. If you're non religious, do your research and understand that this plant is here for all of our benefits. And we have a native endocannabinoid system for a reason because the weed is good for us. That's what I have to say. I'm telling you, all weed, everything because weed is good for us.
0: Well, that's amazing. Thank you so much for coming on to the show. I I can't say how much I really appreciate it. And you've been such an amazing guest to chat with. And thank thank you you for bringing us into your entire journey of cannabis and talking about Frenchie and finishing off with some amazing advice. It's been phenomenal. And, uh, you know, maybe in the future, we'll have to have you back on if you're up for it. So I I would um, love that. I
1: would love that. Maybe we'll do some
0: chilla. Maybe maybe we'll smoke some chilla. You see. Oh, that'll sick. be fun. That'll be fun. So, now this is going to be the time where I give you, uh, let the viewers kind of know what you're doing, let them know where they can find you on social medias and all that fun stuff. So, go ahead and just give your sure. little okay, shout this
1: out. Is, I'm super excited because I don't even know when this is going to air, but I will save this because by the end of today, in tribute to my dear Frenchie, because we were both web designers, my website will be live by the end of. This weekend, for sure, it will be live and you can read all of my stories. So I have like dozens of stories and uh, you can see all the things that I've done. So I can be found online at thedankduchess.com and through all social media the dank duchess and so what i'm doing upcoming is i'm going to be working on this uh online magazine called mocha mary jane which is all about black and brown women in the cannabis and their experiences awesome. so i'm really excited about that and of course i'll still be continuing to make cash i have a class in new york october 10th so i'm excited Jeez. about going back home and then there's MJ bizcon i mean we're gonna be doing stuff canvas yes. is back
0: yes we're, we're
1: sort of back
0: right yeah you got to heal the leg up and you gotta get going again yeah
1: i'm telling you this boot this boot i just got a scooter though so
0: there you go there you go well thank you so much for coming on everyone please go check her out at the www.thedankduchess.com follow her on social medias like she said the dank duchess and um please feel free to follow along on whichever platform you're listening from so that you don't miss out on any episode that we post and you can show some serious love and support to the Dank Duchess for coming out today. If you guys need a place to post your cultivars or grows, Homegrown Cannabis Co. has made an amazing website, Homegrown Diaries, so you can find it at www.homegrowndiary.com, and you can sign up for free. You can also sign up to our forum at www.homegrowncannabisco.community. There's 4,000 cultivators on there to help you guys get growing. It's a huge community that's growing, and if you like free seeds, we do free seed giveaways on our Facebook page at Homegrown Cannabis Co., and you can follow us on Instagram at Homegrown World. I am Chronic from the Cannabis Chronicle. On Instagram and YouTube, a fellow hash lover, and I have had an amazing interview with the dank duchess, the queen of hash. So, thank you so much. Stay tuned for next week's episode. Much love, happy growing, and peace, everyone. Hey guys, Parker Curtis here with another free seed special. We're offering our listeners a free four pack of gelato feminized seeds
1: with any purchase at homegrowncannabisco.com. So make sure to use promo code gelato420. Let us handle the rest. Happy growing and enjoy the show.